David Miles is basically a musical chameleon. From romantic balladeer to hip-hop collaborator and pop chart topper to a songwriter extraordinaire, his career has taken him in many different directions. His latest album, Real Love, sticks David in a time machine and sends him back to the dawn of rock and roll. Echoing the roots sown in the 50s and 60s by artists like Roy Orbison, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Buddy Holly, and Johnny Cash, Real Love is a deep dive into an era where the jukebox reigned supreme. Following a cross-Canada tour and a sold-out homecoming show in support of the new record, David Miles stopped by the CKDU studios for a live interview on Halifax is Burning. title track from the new david miles record real love david miles joining me live in studio here tonight on halifax is burning hello hi how are you welcome thank you for coming by hey man this is my pleasure it's great to be here this is a super fun record well it was fun to make yeah the the idea behind the record was fun tell me about that idea a little well i wanted to i mean i love i've been playing with the same guys for almost 10 years especially like alan and kyle guitar and bass alan jeffries exactly and we've been in a trio like an acoustic trio for a long time we all love early rock and roll country Mm -hmm. this is is kind of an golden era of kind of like rock kind of rockabilly in some ways yeah yeah and like early rock and roll and 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 we all loved it, and I thought, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this like in our style, but play music that people can dance to? Like, I, love, I love the folk stuff we do. I like all the music we play, but it was fun. I really wanted to have that, that gear in the show. I want to be able to like, step it up, kick it up, and mm-hmm. have fun, make people dance, and, 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 have, and have the ability for us to really get into it, let loose. And uh, so that's how I wrote the songs. I wrote the songs to be fun, like to be upbeat, to be accessible, to have fun vocal vocal parts where everybody's really involved like no one's just like sitting and playing the same thing through the whole tune it's very much like the the guys are like singing backup vocals we're really like a band right so everybody's really engaged and i you know i think i just i love pop music i love the way pop music builds and so even though it was like kind of throwback the energy is kind of throwback i kind of wanted it to be modern in that the way the songs are kind of structured are all about you know, different parts and pre-choruses and choruses that really stand out and fun that way too, you know, fun where there's big changes and big moments in the, in the song. Yeah. Well, you're certainly no stranger to the landscape of pop music, you know, with the, the songs you worked on with class, the big summer hits and yeah, it's, it know. got me interested in it. I was always like a jazz guy. Like, honestly, that's what I, I listened to jazz growing mm-hmm. up and like classical music. Then I got into like songs <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but Structure. it wasn't until like I was like 18 that I listened to songs, other than like the pop songs when I was a kid. Right. But like three minute songs didn't really exist. And I listened to kind of like Willie Nelson and then got into some other kind of guitar singing singers type that, you know, Paul Simon, James Taylor, those guys. 
but it's uh, it's just been kind of working through cla- through classified and obviously in developing my own songwriting that I've just become really fascinated with the power of a great three and a half minute song. Yeah, you know, that concise, nicely tight written song, and so I wanted to do that. I wanted the songs to be like that. I wanted them to move. I didn't necessarily, you know, I didn't want it all to be throwback, and I didn't all, but I didn't want to just. I love. I can write ballads like all day long. I love ballads, <laughs> yeah. but I wanted to kind of keep the ballads on this one. Just, just keep them just like two. Yeah, sure. The, I mean, were were you using some influences? Like, were there key? I mean, you're talking about early rock and roll. There's certainly some Elvis vibes going on. In this. There's certainly some Roy Orbison stuff totally. that's, happening. That's, that's exactly where I'm at. It's yeah. basically like Al Al Jeffries and I went to Nashville a couple of years. Nashville, and we went to RCA Studio B, which is where they all recorded. Amazing. And kind of you go into the room and they play all this stuff that was recorded there. And I was like, whoa! I just love all of basically like all of this music. I love the way it sounds. I love the way it's recorded. And Don Gibson was another guy who recorded there. And I love Don Gibson. He wrote like, Oh, lonesome me. Mm. And, uh, you know, sea of heartbreak and I can't stop loving you and sweet dreams, all these big, big country hits, but he had this low voice and the, but the band rocked. And so that's kind of what I was trying to get at. It's like this, where there's still a bit of like croon, there's still a bit of like singing. It's not yell singing. It's yeah, not yeah, it's yeah. Like low. It's actually kind of like dramatic, but then the, the drums are kind of pumping. There's still this like rock and roll energy. That's kind of what I was, that's what I was searching for. And the influence of those guys, I felt like that's what they did. Roy Orbison's like a real singer, but the band is starting to kind of like, it's that era yeah. where people are starting to plug in. Things are starting to distort. The drummers are starting to play pretty loud. It's not jazz. Yeah. It's not country. It's, 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 it's something it's, new. It's, it's something new. And time, so, yeah. and so that's kind of what I was trying to, to get into and I uh, and I came about it in a number of you know through a bunch of different influences but that was those were the big ones for me so when you're approaching the writing of this album knowing in your head that you are trying to write for the members of your band in addition to yourself are you approaching the songwriting process differently because of that yeah 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 I was I think I was really thinking about thinking about how yeah i was thinking about songs that i knew were gonna work you know i mean one thing i think that we because al is such a great country player oh amazing he's such a great like he's world class it's unbelievable to hear him work in that world and i i basically really wanted to write songs that that were less r&b influenced which is what i had done a lot before and more country influenced. i just that was kind of the lean on this record Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and a lot of that was because i felt like we did it well as a band it's the stuff we sing well and it's the stuff that Al just can lay down. Yeah. <laughs> and I got really into it. I just started listening to Willie's Roadhouse like nonstop on on Sirius Satellite. It was right. Like this, it's what we listen to on the road. Yeah, yeah. And we have for like five years. And it just felt like people weren't doing it as much. And it, again, it felt like... So I definitely wrote with that in mind. I wrote with kind of almost an image of, of what the record was going to look like. You know what I mean? It was, you know, in terms I of, I mean, aesthetically it's outstanding. This, the cover alone really kind of immediately you're thrown back to a different the place. The cover was a total, total home run. Yeah. The cover was a total home run. That's Matt. I laugh. I mean, he's just amazing and he's, he's worked, I've worked with him for 10 years. He's, he's a huge part of the team. Yeah. 
and he and I n- nerd out about this stuff for <laughs> months, dude. Like I'm sending him pictures of clothing and pictures of Elvis and whatever. Like we're going deep. And then I went to California with Dan Ledwell, who produced the record, mm-hmm. and we had like this, we had this like re- art retreat. Basically, the four of us went to Palm Springs, and we it was the most luxurious. Like I came back <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe I get to do this. It's yeah, not well, like we were like spending big money and going crazy. But I went to L.A. with Dan Ledwell and Matt, and I'm, like two of my favorite people, most creative people I know in California and literally we just got to mess around for like four or five days in the desert at Matt's place in 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 uh, LA you know in all these different environments and just be creative we mm-hmm. made videos we we did the artwork for the album we ended up getting tons of stuff done but the aesthetic of everything really it came it all tied together like my dad used to direct these musicals that's what he he, he directed high school musicals right and there was a point at which I just started to under- see this as something bigger than just like, you know what I mean? Where I was like, this is, I want this to be like a full presentation. Mm-hmm. I want it to have a look. I want it to have, I want it to have a, a vibe. I want it to almost be, you know, I want it to be dramatic in a way that a regular CD kind of isn't. Right. Yeah. And so, so I don't know that if it worked or not, but it was fun. <laughs> is that like that approach you, you seem to be the kind of artist who uh, kind of comes, you know, never loses sight of, you know, who David Miles is, but you kind of come in and out of different uh, genres, different influences, different things like this. So is this a process you go through with every record? A like, little bit. Yeah. This one I went probably a little bit. I wanted it to be a little bit more consistent in a, in a way. I wanted to dive in. I was like, whereas before I might be like, oh, let's do this this track a little bit like this, let's like this, and the overall picture will be David Miles. In this case, it was like, let's go down the wormhole. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's go, let's, deep. Let's go deep into this aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a vibe uh, and mark it. And, and so it might hit people a bit weird the first time they hear it, but then they're going to get into it and realize that this is like a consistent sound and it's it is fresh in a kind of a funny way and so that's what i i think is a little different i mean i think when i do definitely jump around and i definitely i do especially when the art comes in i i kind of i think about it for months mm. and i think about the clothes and i get i just decide i just at some point i'm like you know what the whole thing is what i love right i love the whole thing yeah yeah and if there's one thing if if like i am anything as an artist it's just probably someone who loves making records loves making music and so i do jump around genres a ton but i think if there's hopefully there's one thing that's consistent it's that i'm not faking it i'm like i'm I'm (laughs) my at least my enthusiasm is never faked right right you know what i mean it's like i'm always i don't do anything i don't want to do and so even though it changes i get i go way down i get i get right into whatever so when i was with luke i'm like I go right down whatever it is we're in, and then if it's we're doing bluegrass, it's that, or mm-hmm. and so that's what keeps me going. Yeah, you know that's what keeps me. That's what keeps it exciting for me. I love it. When you were uh, approaching the album, making this record with Dan Ledwell, you know I think Dan's style is particularly lush, and you know I think he has kind of like this stamp. This record doesn't necessarily have that stamp. But I'm wondering if that was a thrill for him to kind of be like, "Yep, I'm I'm in I'm in it with you." Like, did you have that conversation before you made the record of, "We're going down this hole"? Yeah, and you're coming. With oh me. yeah, for sure. Because yeah. there was a part of me that was like, oh, "Should we do these songs 
like we're going to do an acoustic version of this album next week. We're going to record the songs as a trio, like mm-hmm. which is because that's how we play. Like so, we're going to sit in a circle and just do it all live, basically. And there was a point at which I was like, well, maybe we should do it like that. You know, maybe we should just keep it acoustic so not we're not totally jumping down the wormhole. Right. And then, but it was Dan. Dan was like, no, let's, let's go. go. <laughs> let's do this. And I think what happened what was really cool is he wasn't playing all the instruments. Like a lot of the times in some of the projects he worked, not in a bad way, but Dan is so proficient in so oh, many instruments. and super versatile. And he's and... got great ideas that he can get in there and be like playing everything, basically. In this case, because we came as a band a bit, uh, he kind of just like let us rip a bit and then walked around. His production, which was super vital, was actually just kind of setting, sitting back, watching us play, and then turning up all our guitar amps and making them distort. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all way too soft. He's like, if this is going to be a rock and roll record, right. let's make it rock and roll. He's the one who was like, let's, let this, give it some bite. Let's distort things a little bit. Let's make the vocal really like... Let's put it in that place. Let's give it some slap. Let's make it like 1950 style. Like really go for it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he created this universe in our headphones when we were recording that just put us in. We knew what the record was going to sound like then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The yeah, atmosphere yeah. was already created. He's like, starts distorting stuff, gets gets stuff rocking, and then all of a sudden, everybody's playing to that sound. And the huge part is the drums. Like almost the whole record goes. Go, 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 yeah, there's such a drive. Like, it's kind not of train, like, like it's you know. not hi hats. It's not. No, no, it's a lot of snare stuff. Yeah, that doesn't happen on the record. It does not happen. Everything is between the snare or the toms. Most of it's toms. Most of it's just like And once we got that, it's a weird thing. But that was like a big aesthetic through the whole record. And again, those are the things that I kind of felt like, oh, this is fresh. Yeah, this is different. Like it's not what I expect. And so. And it gives it this real kind of weird, dark energy. And I think that all of that stuff is the stuff that, that Dan really facilitated. And in the same way, too, you know, while making it a bit new, I think it also harkens back to that era of how you would record a record. Like everybody in the same room just recording it and you've got a take and here we go. And it, what it sounds like in your headphones is what it's going to sound like on the record pretty much. Like that headspace probably affects the way you perform i think so and we're a live band i want to be a live band i love live music i love that part i like human the human element of music sure i also love working with classified and working with beats but like in terms of what i can bring when it comes to my own band in general Mm -hmm. i've realized that what we do really well is the is kind of keeping things human you know what i mean We're, we're people who played a ton together we practice i like practicing i like trying to sing in tune all the time and yeah. I like trying to be a good singer sure. and without any you know and so that that part's still exciting to me so i love writing song it's, it's the other thing that happens is that when you write a song that's and you can play it live you do a lot of your troubleshooting while you're playing it right you can feel where a pre-chorus isn't working when you're playing it live if you can if you're doing it track style on a computer where everything's broken up into eight bars and give your pre-chorus, you can produce the heck out of your pre-chorus just to try to make it work when, when really it's maybe, a problem with the pre-chorus, yeah, maybe not it's a problem not the, with, yeah. the, with like how many drums you put on exactly. it. Exactly. It's not the instrumentation. Maybe it's just the part. Exactly. Yeah. And so sometimes when you work through things live, I, I love that part of it because you kind of you work through a lot of the problems, the songwriting problems, which are always the most essential of the problems. Yeah. Just to go back to the drums, uh, that was kind of the first thing I noticed on the first track. It's like w- while I was listening to this song, Night and Day, you're 
the drums really struck me. So I, I, I really want to play that one. Um, is there anything you can tell us about this song that we might not know yet? This is the first one I wrote. This is probably, in, I think, one of the first ones I wrote. I wrote it without a guitar, which was funny. I was like sitting in the backyard, and I was just like, I got that. I almost wrote like most of it. It was weird. Like I had the first ding, 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 ding. I had this kind of idea, and then I was like, okay, well then we'll switch. I, you know, and then I had the idea for the verse and the chorus almost without a guitar, and then I put it backwards and started realizing how to play it. But I kind of saw it as I love big band stuff too, where it's like night and day, night and day. I can't seem to find a way. Again, I'm thinking about like the show and how it's going to affect people. Totally, how I can like involve as many musicians as possible. And uh, so, yeah, and the thing about the drums is that we, so there's the toms. The other thing that the secret of this record is that there are actually two cups on a board that Josh played on almost every track, which is what we call the clippity. <laughs> and it literally goes kick 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 yeah, 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 and it yeah, sounds yeah. like a horse and it's not it's high it right. does it, it's almost like a bongo it sounds like, well I think he did it on the bongos and then he did it on this like he found two because we were like really what we're going for is a horse so let's get right. like the most <laughs> horse sounding thing ever and he got two cups on a board and almost, on like seven of the tracks deep in the background is a track and he just goes kick kick it's like that Monty Python sketch where he's just like walking totally, around. With yeah, it's totally. That's basically exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, man. Yeah. Exactly what I was thinking. That's awesome. Well, let's see if we can pick it out here on this song. Uh, we're uh, chatting tonight here on Halifax is Burning with David Miles. His new album is called Real Love, and this is the song that kicks off the album. This is called Night and Day. Excited to have David Miles here in the studio tonight on Halifax is Burning. When you are prepping to go out on the road, you know, you guys play with the band all the, you know, you're, you're a pretty solid unit now. Are you, in light of, you know, presenting a new kind of vision for this album and this show, are you rehearsing that show? Like, is this a... Uh, a more like big, old school kind of show. Yeah, like it was. It was different. It was different for sure. I mean, especially because even though we've played electrics a lot, we haven't done that many shows with drums mm-hmm. and electrics. You know what I'm saying? Like especially on the road, like taking it, doing a full album where that's the sound. Yeah. Because again, so much of the touring we've done is tr- is Alan playing acoustic guitar, Kyle Conjack playing upper bass, and me playing acoustic guitar and us singing together. Yeah. So even though the records varied, even when we're playing the classified stuff, the way we present it live is like acoustic, chill, broken down. And with this tour, we were like, no, we, we want to perform this kind of like the record sounds. So mm-hmm. we're going to bring a drummer, and we are going to like 
have amps and we're going to turn up and we're going to rock it a bit. So it did require some thinking about. Sure. You know, yeah. for sure. It definitely had it. The, the show had needed a different kind of arc than the show had before. You know, where it was just the trio and it was acoustic. Now we had like, I knew I was going to have to do an acoustic section, but it was going to start electric and it was going to start in this 1950s world and then move through some of the classified because I still want to play some of the songs people know from the radio and everything else. So how do I perform those in a way that work? So we kind of reinterpreted some of that stuff. Right, in this style? In this style. Cool. And then, uh, you know... And, and so, but yeah, there was a lot of practicing, especially with drummers. I mean, drummers, when we're, you're so used to playing without one, it takes a while. Yeah. And so we were lucky because Mike Bellier came out for kind of a good portion of the tour. And then Josh Van Tassel, who plays on the record, mm-hmm. came out for the majority of the tour. And both of them are awesome. Yeah. It was really about me getting used to drums. <laughs> right. Kind of in the trio format, I'm the drummer. Yeah, you're kind of providing that rhythm, right? So it's it's it, when we don't have when when you it takes me a long time to get used to being like okay, the drummer's in charge of that world right now. I can lean back a little bit. And did you? Like oh, yeah, are, no, I think we got like, pretty good. I think I'm we got pretty there, good. Yeah. I think we got good as like a it was that was a big step for us was like we became a a good four-piece electric band. A lot of the times when we do it before, it would always work, but I felt like we're really not not the same way that we're strong as an acoustic trio. We've just done so much work. I was like, oh, man, we're we're cooking like that. At least it feels really good. Mm-hmm. We, we just put so many hours in. Every time we went out as an electric band, I was like, ah, it feels good, but I see a lot of electric bands that are just way, way better. now. <laughs> and a lot of it was because of me. Right. And so now I've kind of learned how to play with drums, and now i kind of learned how, where I need my guitar and how to play the electric in a real way and get involved and, you know what I mean, like really make it my own instrument. Did you feel like this allowed you the opportunity to be more of like, especially in the vein of this stuff, like more of like a rock and roll front man a little bit? Did yeah. you free yourself no. up? To, to, to <laughs> time. You can't not. Yeah. You can't not. I mean, you're playing, a, you're playing electric guitar, man. Like you're, you, you can't, like all of a sudden your stance just like naturally widens. Yeah, There's right. like certain physical things that happen when you have a heavy guitar on that you kind of like, and you crank You're it up. for it. You got it. It's a more intense experience. Yeah, and I would. love it. I do love it. Like I do, I got really in, I realized like after it wasn't going to work if I kept my guitar quiet, for instance. Like I just needed my guitar kind of loud. I need to play it kind of quietly sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I need the guitar to be actually fairly loud. Right. And, and I think all of us kind of get used to that. We all had to go into that world figure out the right we're not a loud loud band in any case Mm -hmm. but just find out what the right volume is for us to make this show really work and uh the tour helped tons right tons man i mean just before the tour i would say the biggest test was right before the tour we did this film festival gig at the marquee yeah and that was like a dance show and i knew it was going to be like it was going to be an hour and a half at least with no ballads and this is like I, I play ballads. Yeah. You know, I tell stories <laughs> and I play ballads. So it was a new challenge. Yeah. But I was like, I think this is the kind of music that's going to work for us. We're going to be able to play for a long time. We're going to be able to like extend the songs, put some long solos in it, make people dance, become a party band. And it totally worked. It was the most fun. Really, the experiment was like, can we be a good dance band? Yeah. Can the David Miles band be a good dance band? And I think we made it. I think we're a good dance band a now. Virtual chameleon. This that's. Guy I just want to be able to get thrown into different situations and yeah. succeed. Yeah. And so that's. So I want to be able to have a show that's versatile enough and be a musician that's versatile enough that can, that can, get thrown into a bar at midnight and won't get eaten alive, <laughs> yeah. and then also get do like a a thing at the other Rebecca Cone. You know what I mean? Sure. And, and make it and do like a quiet, classy thing. 
So speaking of quiet, classy things, you are heading back to New Brunswick to do the series of shows that you've been doing. How long have you been doing these shows now? This is our eighth year. Goodness, eighth year. It's called yeah. uh, Singing for Supper, and you go and perform these shows, uh, and the proceeds go to the local food banks, correct? Yeah. Yeah. A simple, a simple but beautiful concept. And it's like in the malls. <laughs> talk about talk about throwing yourself into something and <laughs> trying not to to like get eaten alive. Like honestly, when we first started doing this, it was painful, man. Setting up our own PA in the food courts of malls of New Brunswick, yeah, and just starting to sing for an hour. And we played in Grand Falls, and there were two people there. Oh no, two people, and we played for like an hour and a half. You know, it was so painful. But to see this thing grow has been unreal. And it really, like, it's a challenge. I, I'm such a sucker for, like, these entertainment challenges, too, where you're like, I got to pull in as many people in this food court, many of which are just focused on their Manchu walk right yeah. now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and right, rightfully <laughs> and so. They have, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's, their, that's why they're there. That's right, yeah. But, like, let's try to pull them in and try to get them interested in what we're doing in a way to raise more money. Like, yeah. that, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, like, my job is to try to pull as many people into the mall, get them interested, focused on me for just long enough for me to go. We're here for the food banks. Let's see how much money we can raise. Yeah. And we've raised over 50,000 bucks. Jeez, that's amazing. So it's been really cool. Yeah. It's been real. People have really come come out and they can bring their kids and people who can't afford to go to the other shows can come. Uh, it's easy. It's super accessible because yeah. they're in malls. And they're usually, so the they're all starting at like noon. They're at noon. noon. So seniors can come. Yeah. People with disabilities. There's a, there's a whole whack of things. There's a whole bunch of reasons that I didn't predict would be part of this experience that have become part of this experience that I really like. And during these shows, are you? I would imagine bringing the Christmas songs to the table. Last I, year, you made it. The it's Christmas kind of the mo- it's yeah. kind of the motivation of the Christmas record. Okay, honestly, it was we started doing this tour. And we just didn't know any Christmas songs. And I was like, wait a minute, we're playing at malls at Christmas. Yeah. I got to learn something. Yeah. So we like learned one song. Next year we learned a couple more. And then we were like, well, we learned a few more. I was like, oh, we're, this is fun. Actually, this can be really fun. I just, we just got to find a way to make them our own. Mm-hmm. Like, no, if you don't want, if you don't want them to be cheesy, don't make them cheesy. Yeah. Find a, yeah. find the good ones and play them like you would play them. Yeah. You know? And that was the, that was the model. It was like, Take the Willie Nelson approach. Find great songs, sing them really well. Mm-hmm. Don't overflower them. Don't you know what I mean? Don't like try to make them super crazy. Just try to play them really well and like do justice to these great songs. So I got totally into it. They're great. They're amazing. They have great chords. Oh, Christmas got, songs are amazing, man. They're unbelievable, right? And all of a sudden, I was like, holy. And we got into them, all of us. I think. Like I think that the enthusiasm kind of caught on, and then we were like, oh, we got eight, nine songs, ten songs let's now let's do an album right. so it wasn't motivated by like oh let's do an album let's tour it it was like no let's do these shows let's raise the money for the food banks okay what do we need to take this to another level let's do a record what's your favorite christmas song oh man Big i question. change i change my mind a lot you know um white christmas is is a perfect song yeah it's classic it's perfect chestnuts roasting on open fire wicked chords amazing chords uh, and I'll be home for Christmas. Like the big mm. ones, they're just like these sweet jazz classics. They're just like standards. They have great voicings, and when you learn them, you kind of you kind of learn all these wonderful songwriting moves that aren't used in current popular music that often. Yeah, no, yeah, and I, I think like that's the difficult thing I think with Christmas music is that 
there hasn't really been new standards. Like I think when you read uh, things on the internet these days about Christmas music, everybody kind of seems to agree that the last great Christmas song was Mariah Carey, <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is You. And that's like 25 years old now, 20 yeah. years old or something, you know? Like, <laughs> I was going to, I was going to say that one too, actually, because I figured that's that was a the good one. Song. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. I mean, that was the challenge from the songwriting perspective. Honestly, that was also one of the fun things about that record was that all of a sudden, I wanted to make. I wanted to write some original songs, mm-hmm. clearly, because I'm a songwriter. But they had to sit up against these classics. Yeah. So I like. It's a weird thing to say, and I, but my we've been going li- listening to the record again with my kids this year, kind of getting ready. The kids love it. I think the three songs that I wrote on the record are like three of the best songs I've ever written. It's so weird. Like I really do. I think they're. Uh, Santa never brings me a banjo is a silly novelty type song, but it's. It's a total win. Like, it was exactly what I was going on. For me, it was yeah. just what I was going for. So I was super pleased with how it turned out, only because it's like, I wanted to write a funny novelty song. Totally. It's not yeah, like, yeah. I wanted to write a song like Roger Miller. Mm-hmm. That's I love Roger Miller. And I was like, I want to write a song like that. And in the end, I'm like, of all the songs that I've tried to write songs like that, that one actually kind of hit the mark. So it was it was a challenge. You know, it's it's it was a challenge to write Christmas songs that kind of worked. But I like the ones that we did write, and I love I love playing the old ones, and I can play them all. I, every year I go back to learning them, and I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, what there's a sweet vibe. There's a reason they stuck around, I think. Exactly, you know. Yeah, totally. and they're written by they're they're written by the best writers. Yeah, they're sophisticated. Of course, like like people who for who that was their job. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're like Irving Berlin. Like, yeah. of course, Irving Berlin knows what he was doing. You know, he's a master. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are quickly running out of time. Um. But we should just mention that uh, the Singing for Supper shows that are taking place in New Brunswick happen on Tuesday, December 12th in Fredericton at the Regent Mall, Wednesday, December 13th in St. John, New Brunswick at Brunswick Square, and Thursday, December 14th in Dieppe, New Brunswick at the Champlain Mall. So um, if you got the opportunity to go out and check those out and support a really great cause. Uh, I highly recommend it. David Miles' new record is called Real Love. We're going to hear another song on the way out. Um, We're going to play a song called Night After Night. First, uh, you know, this is a this is a a great feat. This album, so uh, I'm very happy to to be talking to you about it. Oh, and it's, thanks. It's a lot of Remember, fun, thanks, and it's man. it's really cool. And uh, it it is fun to see people you know jump into a project and just go head first. So it's a it's a real it's Halifax monumental. project. That's the other thing about this thing. It was you know, I've done records in other places, and this is one of those records where like I worked with Dan. Yeah, my band's from here. Uh, Rainey and Haley Smith sing on this record. Like I felt like. It was pulling in all of these connections that I've made in the Maritimes yeah. over the last number of years to make the right. Like the team was Kinley from right. PEI, Isabel Terrio and from Northern New Brunswick, all these different elements from different people that I've met. It was super amazing. I'm just, we're, we're lucky. There's a ton of amazing musicians around. Yeah. Well, it's uh it certainly shows on the album. Right on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You can sense the fun, I think, in it. And good. There's, a good, there's an excellent <laughs> vibe. Um, David Miles' new album, Real Love, is available right now. You should go out and buy it and buy a copy for someone for Christmas. It would make an excellent gift. Here is a song from that record. It's called Night After Night. David, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks. Today. Right on. Thank you. They offer to take our coats when we walk in the door. They rush, we don't. Tonight we're moving slower Tonight we're moving slower 
restaurant is empty Table of our own Your eyes are drifting from me But looking at your phone Looking at your phone Ring, 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 ring Let's stop pretend This isn't the end Let's stop pretend That he's just a friend That's calling night after night there you have it my conversation with david miles buy his new album real love and learn more about david's upcoming shows at davidmiles.com if you enjoyed listening to this interview today make sure to subscribe to the podcast on itunes just search for halifax's burning and it'll pop up while you're there please make sure to rate and review the podcast you can also find a handy link at halifaxesburning.com on that site, you can also grab past episodes of Halifax is Burning, a weekly radio show dedicated to the best Atlantic Canadian music that airs every Tuesday night on CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax, Nova Scotia. You can also find Halifax is Burning on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.